As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I'm Meg. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. You may be hearing the soundtrack of a small dachshund snoring next to me while I record this episode, just to warn you. Claire Watkins is back again to discuss the Red Stars this time following a lengthy investigative report on the systemic dysfunction of the team that was released this week at Defector Media from her. I also had some Red Stars reporting on their minority investors and some governance matters here at The Athletic. So we're going to get into her reporting at length, as well as some larger topics about the team and its future. I do want to warn you, there are at least a few listeners out here who are going to care about this. There are some sad mentions of the Boston Breakers in this episode. Full Time with Meg Linehan is presented by Klarna, the new smart way to pay when you shop online for tickets. Hey, get your semifinal tickets right now team merch, and more. Before we get to the rest of today's episode, as always, you can show your support of full-time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and on our app. You can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. It's always one of our very best deals. Okay, news. So much news. But let's start with the NWSL playoffs. First round is done. The current and the wave go water are moving on. <laughs> Portland has the first semifinal game against the Wave this upcoming Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, and then OL Rain will face the current at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Both games are on CBS Sports Network. I'm sorry, there is no Paramount+. Plus. I do not control this. I understand your pain, but plan accordingly for an evening posted up in front of the television. If you need a, a an option, YouTube TV does carry CBS Sports Network because that is what I am currently subscribed to, and they have a week promo. Uh, We do have news on the NWSL free agency front. If you recall, there was a fundamental disagreement between the NWSL Players Association and the league itself over who exactly qualified for free agency as of this year. 22 players, including Christine Sinclair, Dabinia, Tobin Heath, McCall Zerboni, Vanessa DiBernardo, other notable players, were up in the air if they could actually start negotiations or not. The league argued that because these 22 players had option years in their agreements for the 2023 season, they could not actually enter the free agency market until a decision was made by their team to exercise that option or not. 
The independent arbitrator assigned to this case disagreed with that approach, and those 22 players are now free agents. The 2023 World Cup draw is this Friday. If you are here in the States, I'm so sorry in advance for the times that I'm about to tell you. It is on at 2.30 a.m. here on the East Coast. That at least means only 11.30 at night for everyone on the West Coast, so congrats there. Charlotte Harper, Steph Young, and others have put together a complete guide to the draw and everything you need to know in advance. I'll have that link for you in the show notes. The U.S. Women's National Team could pull the Netherlands in the group stage, so there's some real drama here ahead, potentially. We're going to have a live blog that night. I am expecting the updates to get a little rambunctious, considering it will be the middle of the night for us. Okay. This entire episode is very Chicago-themed, so there are two stories that, if you have not read them yet, maybe hit pause, and the links will be in the show notes. But first, Claire's lengthy investigation into the culture of the Chicago Red Stars at Defector, which shows a long pattern of majority owner Arnim Whistler not just being fully aware of former head coach Rory Dames's behavior, but it speaks to a much larger cultural issue. As Claire writes, Whistler's blind spots went beyond Dames's behavior. Whistler never pretended to be the richest owner in the NWSL. But beyond the budget, his paternalistic idealism of a team of gritty underdogs punching above their weight permeated the entire club, according to those who witnessed it, which placed players and staff in harm's way. Here at The Athletic, my story revolves more around the ownership level as well as the team's board. Multiple investors told me that those members of the team's board, five in total, who just voted to remove Whistler from all governance were also fully aware of not just what had been publicly reported about the team by Molly Hensley-Clancy at the Washington Post, but a number of other issues because a group of investors had written a letter involving player complaints and other issues, and they sent that to every single owner in January 2022. Okay, so with that, let's bring in Claire Watkins, who is now a full-time staff writer because we are on full-time. And we now have the newest member of the full-time club. You want to walk us through the new yeah. gig? At, 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 I did. I, I see. I see. I, wearing, I, yeah, I wore. wearing this. Like, so am I. <laughs> I got the hat on. So merch for days. Yeah. It, you know, excited to, as you know, Meg, there is a growing but small number of people who, who cover um, women's soccer and women's sports full-time. And I'm very excited to join uh, just women's sports do you know doing their newsletter I've been doing their newsletter for almost a year now but just sort of um, expanding that role and just expanding soccer coverage which is also really exciting um, you know I said this to a lot of different people but people might know me from working a lot but not ever in the same place and I think <laughs> that the the dream is to put all of your energy into one place and so you can just sort of have a more holistic approach and view on things and so joining jws is incredibly exciting for for that respect and um yeah there it's it's a new it's a new thing and i'm like excited to explore it further and and see where it goes just as a you know i think just women's sports has been obviously like i think we all listen to snacks right like they they have been very present in this space they have that partnership with the nwsl what does that mean for your approach like i'm sure it doesn't really change it but obviously there is the partnership between just women sports and the league and then also like we're going to talk about our work about the chicago red stars right and there is the sense of you know i think the new look nwsl i think is a little more comfortable with mm-hmm. uh external criticism but the old look nwsl would not have been comfortable with such a thing um so is there any discussion of 
how to navigate those spaces? The desire is always to be just fair. I mean, I think that I, you know, I can personally like genuinely say that, um, you know, I, when doing the news, when, when covering things, even when it's, you know, sensitive situations have not gotten the notes from any powers that be or anything like that. Um, yeah, it's that I think is also just sort of a, a light touch of a lot of women's sports coverage because a lot of women's sports coverage is sponsored. Right. Um, and that's, in a many ways good because as we know, sponsor pressure is frequently how change gets made. Yep. So some of that is a little bit more direct in women's sports coverage than it is for men's sports coverage, because it's basically more uh, brands or partnerships making up that space that we're not getting from institutional support. Um, but you know, it, that does also mean sometimes a little bit of a, a closer relationship, but no, I mean, I, I consider the newsletter, especially, um, it's, it's, it is an industry letter. I know that people who work in the industry do read it. And so always want to be fair and not misrepresent anything, but no, the news is the news. And sometimes the news is not good. And I think that to a certain extent, everybody understands that and at least understands that in this moment, you, we have to let these stories be told in order to not have to tell them anymore. And so fortunately that has, has not been an issue as of, as of yet. Yeah. I mean, I think we could have a whole separate podcast on how sponsorship money has shaped yes. mm -hmm. women's sports, but even women's sports media, like I think, you know, there is a, a good point of money has forced a lot of hands and mm -hmm. um, especially in the space where, the decision makers are always going to be like, well, it doesn't get clicks or, you know, like that's, that's right. what changes the game. So yeah, that's a whole different podcast that I think yeah. at some point we should circle back around on. Cause I think it would actually be a really interesting conversation. We could probably grab some other people, but I do want to get into kind of the big news of, of this week, I guess. Um, both of us had Chicago red star stories yesterday, not intentionally in terms of timing. Um, but I want to really start with yours. Cause it's really, a, a huge piece of reporting. Um, I want to honestly just start with how long have you been working on this? Yeah, most of the year, most of the year. So since the last off season, um, I think I'd probably not quite prior to 2022, but pretty much right at the beginning of 2022 um, have been working on just essentially trying to figure out what happened. I think that obviously a lot of people, um, went into that that 2021 2022 off season just with a lot of questions because not a lot of transparency from the club um and then yeah i mean i think probably as you know with these things meg you you pursue it and and sometimes you hit a wall at times and then you push through the wall and then you find yep. another one and <laughs> so these things do take time to get a, a story of this size out there but um yeah so i would say off and on pretty much since the very beginning of the calendar year yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a huge look at just kind of the, I mean, there's so many parts of this that I want to talk to you about. But how did the the Yates report releasing did that open things up for you? Did that change? Like, was that kind of the one piece that you got to then slot other things into place and be like, oh, okay, I've got it? Yes, that was the final piece of the puzzle for sure. Um, I think also, without getting into too much detail, I think people can probably tell from the story that um, that this is a process of people becoming more comfortable 
talking about their experiences. And that is not always a, um, something that happens right away, as we know, in kind of the culture of NWSL. So the Yates report, I think, even just opened thing up, things up sometimes for, for people um, who on, on the inside or people who had experiences with the club. Um, and then also, I think one of the things the Yates report did is very rightly, it focused very much on um, Rory Dames and the relationship between Ar- Arnold Whistler and Rory Dames and how um, that was an issue in the club. And then the nice thing about having that out there is that I can provide a lot of context to that mm-hmm. because I think it was even in the Yates report, the Yates report had a, a sentence or two about um, Arnhem Whistler being a landlord and the power dynamics at play there. And then I was like, oh, I can really explain what that means yeah. to people and how that affected um, players and staff. And so, yes, I think the Yates report was, was essential in getting this ultimately over the line. Yeah, I, I, again, I have a lot that I want to talk to you about, but that landlord point, I just want to say, and I, I tweeted about this yesterday when your story dropped, there is one little section and it's such a small detail, but I think it reveals so much where there are gas leaks in the building where the Chicago Red Stars offices are located, which is owned by Arnim Whistler. And he told his employees to work through the gas leaks while technicians were being called and he had installed video cameras so employees could not feel like they would leave without him knowing. And that is something that is going to haunt me for basically ever, yeah. I think. It's just, it's such a microcosm of the entire approach, I think. Yes, I think that there's a lot of stuff in there that... um it's a story as much about resources. It's it's resources and attitudes kind of hand in hand. Right. Yep. And I think that is a very good example of a resource issue yep. and then also an attitude issue and how in the moment you as an employee of the club might not even necessarily know what to do mm-hmm. when, when faced with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if your boss is saying like, don't work, just work through this gas leak. Also, there are video cameras over the door. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah, and, and just also like having been in the space for so long, like so many of these staff members, you know, this is in your story too. Like so many of these staff men- members are young. It's one of their mm-hmm. first gigs. It's people trying to figure out like, I think, you know, like all of us in the media space, like how do I break into this world, right? And again, like this points to the same sort of power dynamic between players and ownership mm-hmm. with front offices and and the staff who might be involved um but to your point about attitude the first thing that really hit me when i was reading is that line about you know chicago red stars have always been this very gritty team right and but there is this paternalistic thing there is a sense of just be grateful and we have seen that through really every single one of these stories across the history of the u.s women's national team just be grateful Mm-hmm. It, but Chicago, it feels weaponized, I think, in a way that is on just such a completely different level. I think also, and I, Meg, when, um, when the Yates report uh, came out, I did actually go back and listen to the last conversation we had on this show <laughs> about you? the Chicago Red Stars. Yeah. I was trying to even just place a, a personal timeline in my head of like, okay, what do we know then? And what do we know right. now? Um and I think this was something that I said a year ago, and, and which is true, is I think 
I'm not going to pretend that I believe that the Chicago Red Stars are the only club to have had these issues in the past. Um, even as recently as some of the stuff that I reported, right? I don't believe that the NWSL has no other club that has operated in similar fashions. Um, however, I think it's also a story of not enough change fast enough. Mm -hmm. um, and this was an issue, I think, um, and this speaking to your reporting of, of action when told about, you know, Roy James's behavior. Uh, you can go back to the anecdotal things, um, years, years and years and years of, of being told or the official complaints, right. By Kristen press and other players into it kind of even becoming a more intensified, uh, desire for action just a year ago and none of that happening. And again, it's that, it's that attitudes thing of truly believing that, um, that the way things have been run is, is good enough and is fine. And I think that, um, as someone who, who covers the team and very much wants the team to be <laughs> great, I think the lack of action, um, has hurt them recently. And I think hope unfortunately might continue to hurt them as they go into this off season as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, my reporting really stemmed around there is a, a, a group of investors, right? Like, so for, for context too, if you don't know, you know, Arnhem Whistler, I think did realize eventually, okay, I need more money. I need more resources for this team. He recruited two batches of minority investors. And it really started with this relationship of like, we want you to be essentially the whole like minority investor thing in the end of is this concept of we want you to pay to be our brand ambassador. Right. Yeah. And for us to pick your, like you are paying for this privilege of us using you for this NWSL team. And like, yeah, you get tickets and stuff out of it too, but really the teams want those owners in that role. And that relationship, I think changed for Arnhem when minority investors started questioning him. Um, and, in January of this year, a group of investors wrote a very lengthy seven-page letter that is very detailed and honestly, I think very damning um, to Arnhem Whistler about his leadership and copied it to every single member of the investor group, including everyone who's on the board. And a lot of what you had in your article, a lot of what was in the Yates report, some some new stuff too, right? Like everybody is kind of aware of everything <laughs> and... I think there is a concern that there is this status quo, right? That we're going to shift to this new board and the new board is just going to, you know, the, the new board by the team's own operating agreement, three of the five seats are within Arnhem Whistler's control. So how much distance can you really get? Even if that board has in fact turned on him, right? They control the sale. He still owns the team, right? Like, is there actually a path out of here that feels like a complete reset, which feels very necessary for the Red right. Stars? I don't know. I mean, I can, yeah, I can only, <laughs> this is purely just me speaking. Just, just me. This is, you know, only my, my thoughts, my opinions on this, but um, I think it's difficult to look at this situation and not automatically think in the back of your mind does this turn into a relocation? Does this turn yeah. into um, this team no truly no longer being recognizable as the club that it has been? Um, and 
those questions about the board, I think, are pertinent to that, right? Of you were reporting on this, I reported on this a little bit of of what will it take financially mm-hmm. to have someone like um, like Arnhem step away from the club and we've had some pretty interesting evaluations so far in the NWSL this year. And um, I think nobody knows, right? Obviously um, Arnhem hasn't spoken about this himself, but uh, you know, what will it take for actual change? And what I don't know is at this moment is the team in a holding pattern until there is some sort of outside influence whether it is a you know whether it is a sale locally or not um and i think that that is a big concern because as i detailed in my in my reporting i don't think the margins are very wide here to be able to be in a holding pattern financially and so i think that that is that is a concern that i have as well going into this offseason yeah i mean i think you know we know now that there is a mechanism for the nwsl board to straight up force a sale they 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 knew about it because it was in play for Washington spirit. Um, but I mean, everybody that I've ever talked to, like no owner is ever going to really want to vote for that as a mechanism because right. then they could be next. Right. And I think that's, that's like, I'm glad it exists, but it is like, I think the nuclear option of the NWSL board of governors to a have the super majority vote to oust an owner and then B to have to front the money for the fair market value of an NWSL team, which we don't really know. Obviously we do know Michelle Kang play, paid 35 million for the spirit. That valuation is probably now higher, honestly, because she's also done yes. additional fundraising. Gotham just valued at 40 million, which is a number I still don't understand. Um, Angel city is obviously like, you know, a hundred million is a little bit different. Yeah. Angel, Angel city is <laughs> in its own ball. Yeah, right, but I do yeah. think Gotham is like a good, yeah, barometer right for what probably everyone is thinking is kind of like target but then the question is you know and this is what investors were talking to me like reputational damage right and you might honestly just kind of be inheriting a lawsuit as well right if if arnhem gets ousted and feels like it or even just in 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 my piece they're divesting from a certain amount of real personal real estate investment yes. as well and so that also changes like when you look into um the operations of the club and see that much of it uh at least up until 2021 um was tied into uh Whistler's own personal real estate investments you start to wonder what is the team what yeah. what actually is you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no 100, 100 yeah. but that's the like yeah and this is i think the thing that's so so what is like everything is so intertwined right and and paul tenorio and i just did the same sort of intellectual exercise with portland thorns right of like could you even sell portland thorns independent from the timbers and it's such a messy proposition but then the chicago red stars are such an interesting because again, to your point like arnhem's built this for mm-hmm. what is it now 15 years and yeah. it is it is made in his image and i think i want to circle back around to something that you said where it's just like the team kind of as it exists and has existed in Chicago. But I want to ask you, like, do the Chicago Red Stars, as they have existed for the past 15 years, kind of deserve to exist in that, for, like, as that sort of concept of what we have always thought of 
as the Chicago Red Stars, or should it just be like pure, you know, like take it down to the frame and we'll start something else? Here, here's what I'll say about that. Um, I think as I hope is reflected in the the work that I put out yesterday, which is that it is a team made in Arnhem Whistler's image. Absolutely. And um, there is still, I think a lot of work to do to, um, to change again, change the resources and change the attitudes around the club. I also think I have reported this and this is in the Yates report a little bit as well, which is, when you look at Chicago's roster, many of those people really live here. They really are from here and live here. And, and that is, that is again, something that has been cultivated by the Mm -hmm. way the red stars have built their roster, but there is an element with the red stars that truly is slightly more, local and and loyal than some other than you know your average team necessarily where you have players in and out of market right right um so i don't think and and this goes back to that what does the what do the red stars look like after a sale um i think that the things that you can lean on if we do believe that the chicago red stars can stay in chicago and truly change is is that element is you have people who have dedicated their entire year, their entire careers to this club who um, have houses here. Like they, 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 they truly are Chicago red stars in that fashion. And I think that if there is any base you can get down to, it is probably that. And if, when, if, and slash when new ownership does come in, I hope that they listen to those players first. Um, when deciding what comes next, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's been like the, kind of the grounding thing I think for for me in in the context of I think people read our reporting and they go, "This is unfixable." You know, you, you mm-hmm. people love the the burn it all down, right? Yeah. Um, but like many things in the NWSL, I think it's slightly more complicated than that. Um, and I think that also what I think. I, I personally do not want to come of this, but there's maybe an opportunity to go one further is you don't want this to become a Boston breaker situation. Right. Whereas yeah. And yeah. internally there are shades of Boston breakers to this. Right. Yeah. And the fact that that team folded and has never come back and doesn't even necessarily seem like there's a great mechanism for there's a no new real team. Path. Yeah. 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 In, in new England, um, you don't want that to happen in Chicago. It, yeah. it, it's, and I would hope that there is, it, there is um, some desire from whether it's the commissioner or the board of governors themselves to not let that happen, that particular thing happen again. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. I mean, I think that is one of the the big threads of conversation is like, there is this fear of, okay, I think, unfortunately, the Boston Breakers thing really is an apt kind of comparison. Like the Breakers are only coming back if Steph or I hit the lottery. I think yeah. like that's, yeah. that's currently the most viable Fingers path. crossed every day, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> I think it requires both of us to actually play the lottery. <laughs> but, you know, like that feels to me like, the best possible path forward. But, you know, I think there is a sense of there are these markets, right, that the NWSL has always been in. Mm-hmm. Um, Gotham, I think, is kind of the other of this mental trio, I think I have, of Boston, Chicago, New York, New Jersey, right, of these big yeah. media markets, busy sports markets where the teams have really struggled to find a foothold, right? And Chicago, I mean, I remember what what playoff year was it when we did the like ten dollar ticket you know fundraising thing right 2019 i think that's i think i was at the athletic by then so i think it was 2019 2019 yeah where they got completely ignored right and so there there is this sense of what's it gonna take for these teams to finally find even like the tiniest little footprint right in in their markets and chicago i think has been one of the big ones that we've really been talking about that forever. And I think you're going to need to find an owner for that team that believes in the market that can find better facilities, right? Like, I mean, it's not just buying the team, right? You're then looking at a huge initial investment. I think Um, SeatGeek stadium does not feel like, any sort of long-term like i think right and you're right i think you're 100 correct about that the thing that i don't know from a local perspective is again their options in the context of the reporting like could there what more could or can be done to make bridgeview feel a little bit more like home for the team right yeah Um, at least in the short term in the short term Yeah, yeah right yeah yeah um but no, I mean, this is a complicated thing about Chicago in general. And again, it comes down to 
real estate, which is that there is no great soccer specific stadium um, in, in the Chicagoland area. See, for years has been it, right? The fire play at Soldier Field. Um, and, and so I think that that possibly has influenced interest in the past even mm-hmm. of, of what exactly do you do with this? Is this just a, a logo, a history, a roster and a dream, you know, like what are we, <laughs> what are you actually investing in? And, um, but I think there is just also so much potential there Yeah, that, that it does. It's going to take someone who's a little bit more of a visionary um, and, and it might become one of those things people joke, right? You get, you get new ownership and you get a rebrand. Maybe that is just kind of exactly what the red stars need as well. But, um, yeah, I, I agree that it, this is not simply picking up a, a team that's firing on all cylinders. The team needs staff, the team needs resources. Um, the team needs, even just when you look at the, the, organizational infrastructure on the soccer operations side um what the the side effect of a lot of the dysfunction behind the scenes has been a lot of roster stagnation yep. and and you're gonna have they have i think what six or six seven players. free agents right yeah. yeah actually that was exactly where i wanted to go with this because yeah. you know chicago makes the playoffs <laughs> the very final game of the season right goes to san diego uh loses an extra time and uh, could you just talk people if they if they did not see the quotes like listen air I think had a lot of emotions in that post game but we will get into the free agency part but there is a sense of like this is maybe the end of this particular moment right yeah I think it's been a slow it's been a, a multi-year thing right I think that one of the things about covering the red stars is I think since 2019 (laughs) you're kind of writing about a window closing um, where, you know, 2019 there was that last year with, with Sam Kerr and you go, Mm -hmm. this is the chance, right? Um, You after last year um, that was the end of Julie Ertz's time with the team end of Sarah Gordon's time with the team Um, that obviously, in addition to some of the bad luck they had this year in terms of injuries um, I think was also the end of an era. And then you have this year where you have a number of long-term lack of availabilities due to maternity leave and injury. And then it's just this next level of, okay, so the players that gutted it out this year, what do they want? Right. Um, and, and I thought that the player statement before the playoff game, um, was very well written. First of all, I thought that was very well done. I really liked that they mentioned actually staff as well. There was Mm -hmm. sort of that outward facing. We want this to be good for everybody. Um, And then they, you know, the players can't control this, but they were very adamant that they want to rebuild here. And um, then we just kind of have to figure out how much action has been taken in the last month to maybe convince a player that is saying, I'm not making enough money. These resources are not what they need to be. Maybe you have players who have been there over the years who just simply say it feels bad to be here anymore. And they have to make those decisions for themselves. Um, but what I have always you know, heard and believed is that these players wouldn't be here if they didn't have a desire for things to be better and to still be here. And so I think they're moving into a very interesting time. And this is, again task at hand for the board of how do you actually make this a good environment for players 
and prioritize the players who have not been treated as well as they deserve to be treated while giving years and years and years of service to this team. Yeah, it's a big... This offseason is just going to be such an interesting thing to watch because, I mean, this is kind of like, you know, obviously Utah Royals moved when the sale happened, um, but Real Salt Lake was almost in that same boat of like MLS had basically taken over sale of the team and then you have a, a team that is trying to function and like, build a roster and free yep. agency to your point. I mean, like even just thinking about some of the top names on that list, it, the, the first two names are, are Danny called Prico and Vanessa Di Bernardo. And yep. to me, like they are the red and, and Morgan and Right. Yep. Like that's your, that's and your Aaron entire, Wright, and, and yeah, yeah like, it's, it's, the it's just like, that's your yeah. midfield. Yeah. <laughs> that's your yeah. whole, your whole midfield right there. Yep. Um, and so, this is kind of a, a thing that we've never experienced, you know, like free agency is brand new in this league and we do not really have a great sense yet of what is going to happen. Um, are they going to be enabled to go out and spend money in free agency? Right. Are they going to, they're going to have to fight to keep all of these players if they want to keep them, but also like, could they go out and enter what we have now uh, jokingly referred to as the Dabinia sweepstakes, right? Like, yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> could you could you go out and try to like acquire a, a big name player or someone like that? Um, yeah, there's just I don't know for all of the the past looking reporting, right? Like, I think there are so many big big questions about what comes next, and it really is a matter of of pressure and you know, hoping that someone out there with a good 50 ish million bucks. Yeah. And, and like actually who gets what's going on. Comes yeah. In. Yeah. Um, I think it's incredibly important. I mean, you, this we're just repeating all the same things that we've maybe been saying over the last year. And I know that um, Megan Burke told you this when you, you put that good piece out of sort of meeting with, uh, Jessica Berman and, and Burke and their legal counsel talking about the investigation, which I think is also just going to be huge in terms of actual mechanisms for change. Yes. Um, we can report all we want, but we can't, <laughs> we can't make anybody do anything. Right. Um, and you, that element of, and, and that, that push and pull of what do you do in the face of this much um, difficult information about something that, that you, want to be good and maybe believed was good. And all I will say is that I don't get this story written if I don't show up every week for four years. And I think that that is just ultimately when these teams and some of these um, bad actors really like to move in silence and they like to move in the shadows and well, lack of engagement is is death here yeah and and that is not necessarily i think what anybody wants to hear but it's true and yes chicago's season is over but there is still so much story here and um yeah i encourage i encourage fans to obviously do whatever feels right but this is this is one where you just really have to stay engaged in whatever capacity you can because that is how this does not become a Boston Breakers situation. Essentially, yeah. I mean, I, I've I have the same kind of every time I write about governance, I'm just like, I know this is 
I know like it's not fun for me either. I don't right. want to be writing about governance, but like this is unfortunately where all of the big stuff right happens, right? And this is where like the big system like this is where we've had all the systemic problems, but this is where we potentially solve all the systemic problems. And I know that this is not like the stuff that gets the big headlines, like a Paul Riley story or an Arnim Whistler story, but like right. this is this is how it happens and this is how we fix it. Um and I think it is really hard to keep people engaged with some of the smaller detail sort of stuff. And that's that's what scares me is where I think, to your point, like keeping people checked in is really, really important because also public pressure does play a role in yeah. this too. And, and you know, circling back around to some of the investors, like I, I honestly do like no one knows which investors I talk to. The, the team is going to immediately be like, oh, it's these people, right? And that's not the case. But the other thing that I think drives me crazy just from a personal level is that there are people who have tried to raise alarm bells for nine, 10 months now yeah, who are being told that they're troublemakers and are being told that they're not collaborative and they're not trying to fix things. And and in the in the letter itself, you know, Arnim Whistler, they say like, Arnhem has basically said that we want to investigate just for the sake of investigations. And, you know, we'll lose Rory Dames as a head coach if these people get their way. Right. These are the people we should be listening. Like, these are the people who have listened to the players are ringing the alarm bells and are trying to do the right thing. And the thing that (laughs) this has always been an NWSL problem. Egos are always such a huge factor to circle back around to your point about attitudes, right? And people are more precious about getting credit for the work than the work itself. And Chicago and that story, I think a lot of it has really just kind of driven at home in terms of the NWSL environment and what is ranked as being important. Yeah. Um, I think you can see this in the Yates report. You can see this, I think, in the long history of the Chicago Red Stars and in some of my reporting, which is that um, there is a pattern of speaking up and then being encouraged or choosing to leave. And that is the pattern that has gotten kind of Chicago to where they are today whether it's, you know, players, staff, like you said, there's now this, this conflict within ownership. And again, (laughs) it's, it's, you cannot, people have to take care of themselves first, right? Always. But you're right in that we need to be, we've gotten so much better at empowering player voices. I wanted to be very cognizant of empowering staff Staff. voices. um, And those are the stories that we need to sit with, with the understanding that these are the people that have been trying, have genuinely been trying to do something for a long time. And sometimes it looks a little bit different, right? What, what mm-hmm. you reported looks a little bit different than what I reported, but that's where the opportunity lies to do, to do better. Um, and yeah, just like you said, I think that there is, there is more to, to keep an eye on within this, this new system that Chicago has, um, because I, I think, again, attitudes and resources, once this thing becomes yours, then you start to want to sort of guard what's, what's yeah. yours. And that changes your that changes the way that you see it. So um, much to think about, Meg. Just <laughs> m- so much to, yeah. to think about. Yeah. 
I do want to end on a good note um, because I think also this happened last night um, on Tuesday and I think everybody really needed it, but we did get the, the 2023 world cup mascot, um, which is, (laughs) which is a penguin and is so visibly, visibly queer. And I think everybody just grasped onto that, like, oh, thank God, we can finally just tell jokes and there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no repercussions whatsoever. We just get to, like, go for Well, it becomes, it becomes your... I do think about this because, obviously, social media, oh, Twitter especially, the Twitter timeline tone changes rapidly just depending yes. on, like, what thing people are paying attention yeah. to. And I'm just like, my timeline's a weird one today and that just <laughs> has to be true, you know? <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I do want to say, like, I think it's actually interesting. I mean, I can't really put too much meaning behind a World Cup mascot, but like the haircut is an interesting choice, right? Like I do think it actually is something to just because, I mean, we have seen people bring up legitimate criticism about the NWSL logo, right? And like the fact that it is very clearly a white woman with a ponytail (laughs) and like, I don't want to put too much onto uh, animated penguin type cartoony thing, but it is something new and different. And yeah, agreed. It's uh, it felt felt very modern. Our, our new our new tiny bird. And <laughs> <laughs> just I, I think that we all it was an it was one nice little pocket of hour of agreed. just pure, pure nonsense that felt good. And <laughs> yeah. All right, Claire, how about you tell folks where they can now find your work full time? Yeah. Um, if you're inclined to get all of the news of the day in, in women's sports in your inbox three times a week, please sign up for the Just Women's Sports newsletter. I, I'm i very proud of it. I put a lot of work into it, and, and I genuinely believe that it is one of the easiest, most digestible ways to feel like an expert in, in what's happening in women's sports. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of taking point on soccer coverage over there as well. And as we know, there are endless, uh, soccer storylines to get into as we go, you know, as you said, we're in a world cup year, so there's, there's a lot going on. Um, so yeah, so just women's sports newsletter. And then if you would like to, you can follow me on Twitter at, at scout Ripley, but you also don't have to, that's not, that's not a requirement. <laughs> Sign up for the newsletter, leave Twitter for, for something for another day. I guess. Yeah. All right, Claire. Well, we will cross paths at the championship. And yeah, my flight is now exactly in a week, which mm-hmm. feels crazy. Um, You're right. Yeah. yeah. Mine's in nine. Mine's in eight days. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It really like it feels like I just got back from London. And then yeah. it's I mean, and, and I remember being relieved like, oh, I have two whole weeks at home. Yeah. Two. <laughs> cool. I moved to Vermont and then I left. 36 hours later to go to London. So yeah, good times. All right. I'll see you in DC, pal. All right. Amazing. Thanks, Meg. Thank you to Claire for her time, especially because it was 9am when we recorded on Wednesday. So her taking the time is especially lovely. I've got all those links to her work, plus the Just Women Sports newsletter for you in the show notes. Again, for all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more info. And if you'd like to subscribe to The Athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage, you can do that right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. My name is Meg. You have been listening to Full-Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. 
Steph and I, again, will be in D.C. next week for the NWSL Championship. I have to figure out next week's episode, but I'm sure it will be championship-themed. Full-time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg. Thank you for listening. Thank you.